to Season 2, Episode 4 of the IntelliCast Podcast. My name is Adam Jolly. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Lamar. Hey, Adam. Hey, good transition with those headphones. Second verse, same as the first. As always, IntelliCast is brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can find EMI on Twitter, EMI underscore research. You can find IntelliCast on Twitter, IntelliCast1. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly. If you want to email us, um, say... You have, say you just got your budget for the year and you have to spend $2 million in sample and you don't really know how to find somebody. You stumble across this podcast and want to buy some sample from the highest quality, um, least compromising panel in the industry. You can email us at intellicast at emi-rs.com. Brian, uh, talk to me a little bit about your Hinge account. (laughs) No accounts, no Twitter. I do have an Instagram. Ah. I don't Instagram very often. What do you usually Instagram when you do a dog? Oh, that's nice. Usually it's a dog. It's just to stay active. I usually just look at other people's stuff. Sure. I usually, uh, I am down to a weekend only Instagrammer now. Yeah, that's because it's too much. It's because you have a child and you have good Instagram videos. I love this conversation right now. Of just <laughs> playing basketball. For those out there, this is the third time that we've recorded this exact same conversation, and that's why it uh, we can't it sounds, get through it. It sounds awkward a little bit. The thing is, yeah, Nolan's a three and D guy. He doesn't really. He only likes to shoot outside. He's really big on defense. He doesn't really shoot a lot of two pointers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Um, so big thing that came out from us last week was our research on research annual report. Kind of went through, um, how we approach research on research, uh, some sampling that we go through and Brian, please give us a quick pitch on that. Yeah. So this is a lot of research. We've been doing research here long, well, before I got here. And when I started, um, we've done uh, quarterly research, lots of different research. And this is the first time we've actually released it. Um, kind of to the public. So we've had a lot of um, feedback. A lot of people download it. A lot of people look at it. So if you haven't seen it, you can find it easily in any of our social media or just email one of us. But um, it's just a compilation of all the research we do. And a lot of the reasons why we um, do what we do is because of how much we know our sample providers, our partners. And one piece of that is research and research. Yeah. A friend of mine told me that this was brave that we did this. Yeah, because uh, it is kind of given some kind of secret sauce out. Yeah, maybe a it's bit. like easier to copy. But for me, it comes to part two. What is an asset that you have that helps you versus an asset that could help the industry? I think so many times, like we've talked about this, like it'd be such a safer place if the market research was like a nonprofit type <laughs> industry. Yeah. You know, where you're really trying to do better things for consumers. You're really trying to better things. And like the things that were expected weren't like value adds. And so to me, I kind of see our research and research as that, like it is, it's going to better the entire industry. People start thinking this type of way when they're doing sample and it's not like a race to the bottom for CPI. It's not like this over micromanaged profiling information, but like trying to find a better way to sample. Um, If that's the EMI way, then great. If somebody else comes out with a report that makes us think of like, maybe we should change the way we do. Great. Yep. I think we can all benefit from being better at our jobs rather than uh, having, you know, quality or something like this be a differentiator between companies. Yep. So you know, people in the industry, a lot of people, Steve Gettleman does this, Lucid does some of this, um, Burke does a lot of this. They know yeah. that. But if you're kind of a casual sample person, um, you may not realize how different all of the sample providers are. So this exposes a little bit of that. Um but I think it's interesting, and it uh, doesn't mean they're bad or good. It just means everybody's different. It means they recruit differently. Um, 
and we, we keep it blinded, by the way. You're not going to get this report, and it's not going to say, oh, my gosh, Resource Now is the greatest, and, and so-and-so is horrible. It's blinded, and the, the objective of this is just kind of talk about the differences. Right. I love it. Um, before we jump into our market research current events, and there's a lot, um, what's new with you? Um, not much new with me. It's a weird part of time, you know, like end of January – this I, cold has um, set in. We haven't seen the sun in a while. I got jealous that you went on a work trip near Athens, Georgia, mm-hmm. and I watched a documentary about Athens, Georgia, and then I looked at the UK football schedule. They play in Athens, Georgia next year. Do they really? So I'm planning a trip to go back to Athens, Georgia, watch a football game, tour this town. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks awesome. That's the, that was the highlight of my past week, <laughs> planning a trip in October. <laughs> I uh, I thought about it too. Notre Dame plays there this year. That's right. Uh, so I think I could head down. It's earlier in the year too. Yeah. Uh, I am planning on going. The first Notre Dame game is at Louisville this year. So I don't know. Maybe I got two road trips in me. Uh, but last week was easily, I would say, the worst travel week of my life. Really? Yeah. You've traveled a lot in your yeah. life. It was probably the worst. Is it because of Trump and the shutdown? Everything is because no, uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. So I'll paint the picture. So Tuesday, uh, wake up, have a seven a.m. flight out of CVG here in Cincinnati. Usually a pretty decent airport. Yeah. Like you can get some direct flights. I think it's like the number three East Coast hub. Uh, used to be great. Used to have like direct flights yeah. everywhere, regional flights. Uh, yeah. You can get direct flights to a lot of places. And so I had a seven o'clock flight to Boston on Tuesday morning. Okay, we get on the plane. It is 6.15 in the morning. I'm sitting on the plane in my seat. I feel great. Yeah. I'm in an exit row. Yeah. A little like extra leg room. And they shut the door. They tell you to turn off your phones. Obviously, people don't follow that rule. No. And all of a sudden, I hear like all these like props start coming up, like all these bloop, 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 bloops. Captain opens the door, gets grabs the phone as they're doing like the safety video, whatever thing, and says, uh, I want to interrupt the safety because there's been a six and a half hour delay to land at Logan. Because of that, they're canceling our flights. You probably got this notice on your phone. We're going to deplane now. Uh, go see somebody who cares if you want to get to Boston. So I was like, oh, great. Six and a half hour delay. Yeah. That, and that's the usually when they say it's an hour delay, that means two or three or four. Right. right. This is the lowest right. possible. Yeah. So they just cancel our flight. So they get us off yeah. the plane and – I mean, it was like a mad scramble to anybody. I just grabbed yeah. one of the phones. Okay. And they tell me, uh, not much. We'll put you on standby for like a 1030, uh, 1145, and then a 130. Oh. I was like, okay. And then, so that's what my plan was, was to get on one of these standbys. The first standby comes and goes, we don't get on it. So then I call again and they're like, okay, we can book you on a direct that's going to leave at 530. P.M. P.M which would be 11 hours in an airport yeah. for me. Um, turns out I got wind up getting on one of the standbys. The standby was supposed to leave at 1.30. It got delayed until 3.30. Oh. So I left at 3.30 to get to Boston at 5.30, which was horrible. So you just worked in the CVG airport. You took the Wiser yeah. survey. I did take the Wiser <laughs> survey. No, uh, I, I actually downloaded an app that one of our coworkers told me about called Lounge Buddy. Kathleen Hawk, she knew about it. Lounge uh, Buddy. You can buy discounted uh, airport lounges. Oh, like yeah. a reseller type thing. So got in the lounge, had the Wi-Fi, drank and ate all day. It was unbelievable. That's Not drank alcohol, but I drank. Yeah. Not a day. horrible day. Not a bad day. Yeah. It, and yeah. then uh, the next day we got delayed again. We were supposed to leave at 10. We wound up leaving at 3.30. 
get back. The next morning, I leave for Atlanta. Get to Atlanta. The Atlanta airport is a disaster. Yeah, I wind, and then I leave from Atlanta on Saturday morning. So five different trips. It, it was it was the worst day of my the worst travel week of my life. Yeah, not not good. Yeah. Anyway, enough about old me. Uh, let's jump into the current event. So last week we talked about the Dineda. Dineda. <laughs> well, sorry. what if you pronounce it Dana? That's the Dinata. 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 That's like Cincinnati. Should I'm gonna ask you a question. Yeah. Should SMR come out and say how to pronounce data or well, data? Well, so a little known fact is actually Isamar. I'm just kidding. Uh, so, so, I didn't get to talk about Dynata. You wanna talk about it right now? Go ahead. Real quick. Yeah. There's new news also. Yes, 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 yes. So um Dynata, Research Now on SSI. We they talked about the name a little bit. I wasn't involved in that because I'd probably get kicked out because of my opinion. But kudos to them for number one having a name. Yeah, congrats, guys. Number two, um, the name's coming around on me. It's growing on me a little bit. I'm okay yeah. with it. And then the last thing is that they acquired um, Reimagine. Yeah. Just Critical Mix. That's how we know them and some other assets, right? Yeah. And so kudos effect. to them on one thing is that I'd kind of theorize, we talked about maybe a little bit, is that maybe going through this pretty big uh, merger of two companies we kind of slow them at, slow them down. Um, we were also a little bit critical of them and maybe blockchain because they came out and basically said they weren't involved with blockchain, but it turns out behind the scenes they actually were. Yeah. Um, and now, hey, they've invested. Like as soon as this, I mean, buying Reimagine and Critical Mix is kind of a big purchase. So kudos to them for actually spending money and keep yeah. moving forward, right? I'm with you. Um, I'll say this about the Reimagine purpose. I don't know why. Yeah? I can't see it. Why? I do yeah. I have one theory. So, uh, so they buy Critical Mix, and my thought there is so Critical Mix as a brand name was first of all like a great program, had great brand equity as a programming company, right? And that's why when everything came together uh, for reinvention, was that what it was called? Yes, um, where it was like authentic response and those type of things all came together. Like it made sense to go under after Critical Mix; it, it had the best brand recognition. Well, Research Now already already ha- or Dynata already has that. Yeah. Plus, they have more brand equity name, the Critical Mix. Yeah. And so you're getting basically the panel portions of what Critical Mix has, which I'll be honest, I don't know what's there. Yeah. Um, I think that they aggregate really well. And they call themselves the mixers and things like that. And that's, that's great. Yeah. But I don't know what how they're really aggregating or how their aggregation is different from not only our aggregation, but like a Lucid or Pure Spectrum. Because yeah. it's also not automated or programmatic the way that like you don't can't sign on a dashboard, that type yeah. of thing. So uh, I'm not sure what they're buying there. Yeah. Besides maybe like books of businesses, right? It could, it could be a good value buy. Like if you right. look at like the sports analogies, yeah, maybe they, they got, you know, a decent asset for a really low price. I'll use another <laughs> sports analogy and say it's almost like buying a um, – They got a formal all-star at a bargain basement price maybe. And who it's maybe a complimentary asset, maybe a sixth man. and uh, I'll go with they're buying an expiring contract. As far as you don't know, in the NBA, you have a salary basement that you're allowed to pay. And sometimes you will trade for an expiring contract. And as someone who the next year will be coming off the books, but say they make $15 million, but they're not currently worth $15 million. Yeah. And so you will buy, you will trade for that player and have them so you have the salary floor. But yeah. it's like a tanking experience. Like yeah. you're buying it for financial appearances, not for something that you're going to get an ass out of. And so okay. I believe that this purchasing a critical mix is a lot like getting like a Theo Ratliff who's getting paid $18 million. You have no intention of using that asset for anything, but just that the money is spent somewhere. That might sound cold, 
but I also get it from a business perspective. Right. And plus I do believe there are books of businesses with critical mix that like will be valuable in places that research now probably couldn't get in before critical mix was huge on service. And like their salespeople like are like great connections, people they're, unbelievable like people know a research a critical mix person known for life yeah like you are a customer for life with that and so maybe you get that type of asset yeah from that um you just can't lay off any of their sales well, people maybe yeah and i'm just theorizing yeah maybe so there's other comp- assets that reimagine has that is that's um, where i was gonna go next okay yeah. market site and pop research right I'm not sure how what the value of those assets are. Maybe right. those are complementary assets. And in critical mix, the panel side and the programming side is just kind of a throw-in. I don't know. I think it'll help them as far as their programmatic portion of it. Also, yeah. like I gain as kind of like a diet yeah. P2. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where if you if they're you know Dynas, they're going to do more programmatic sampling. They're going to offer a dashboard type thing. So yeah. like maybe that is a play there that could help them do that as well as more full service with the pop and the market site. Yeah. So you can get more analytical and yeah. you have the programmatic with I gain. But my big part. This has been the question that I asked every, like the, the friends that I have there is so research now SSI owns a minority stake in pure spectrum. Yes. Critical mix has a minority stake in pure spectrum. Yes. What is the combination of those minority stakes in pure spectrum now? Oh, I don't know. So the two people I asked that know either. Right. Uh, is it is it 18%? Is right. it 51%? <laughs> right. Right. Who knows? I don't know how that works. But that would be like a more completion on like what does the programmatic dashboard yeah. API type thing look like too, right? Interesting. Okay. Let's go into the next news story. Is Pure Spectrum oh. uh, buys happy market research. What are your first thoughts when you thought about this? My well, first thought is how much can we sell on telecast for? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, this is basically just buying Jamin and they get the, you know, Happy Market Research and his podcast is really good, and he's in the news a lot, and he's out there a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good little asset. I think that it looks like he's helping them maybe grow Europe or other markets maybe. I think it's huge if you're a company that Pure Spectrum, their dashboard, their user experience is unbelievable, Yep. right? Especially considered to other dashboards out there. And so if you could then add in some kind of full-service realm yeah. Like I'm not thinking that Jamin's going to be like doing tabs and stuff yeah. <laughs> all the time, but like you have that type of like legitimacy. So I think they got a ton of legitimacy when they brought in Menic. Yeah. Right. And you brought in somebody from, you know, true sample that knew that knew like quality and stuff. So all of a sudden yep. they separate themselves from other dashboards and now you have a full service type firm in there as well. You separate yourself a little bit more. So to me, I'd say that's a huge play. Yeah. Now, how much of full services Jamin? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's, if I'm if I'm somebody that's just reading clippings, yeah. I see this like man, I, I want to buy from them above some of the other like yeah. programmatic type buyers. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a great move for both of them. More consolidation in a good way, though. Yeah, right. Like it's it's different consolidation. So so like I said with Dynata, I don't know what they're getting out of the reimagine. Yeah, but I know what Pure Spectrum is getting. Yes, you know. Yeah. And maybe now Dynate owns Pure Spectrum. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you want to do a Mount Rushmore? Yeah, let's do that. All right. Uh, I will mention, though. Oh, we haven't mentioned it yet. Our guest is Rachel Altmont of SampleCon. Yeah, Rachel Altmont. The best. Our, she is the best. Second time appearance. That's actually her third, I think. Third appearance? Yeah. Did I miss one? Um, yes. I interviewed her once on my own last yeah. year. Yeah. And I interviewed her once, too. I was the best. <laughs> She's yeah. coming up. Rachel Altman is coming up, and she's fascinating. And what's she's her awesome. Mount Rushmore you guys are talking about? We're talking about shows, um, musicals. Best musical? Yeah. You had four? 
No, I I just kind of criticized her. So I don't have four. Did you say Susical the musical? I, I did talk about Purple Rain. Of course, I had to throw in some Prince. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a Prince reference later. All right. This week's Mount Rushmore is Super Bowl hosting cities. Yes. Number one, Universal. Let's just say it at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, I'm under the belief that the Super Bowl should be in New Orleans every single year. Stop rotating it. Yeah. Leave it there. Yeah. It's the best party city that you could have. And they can handle it. They know what they're doing. They've, they've hosted, I don't know, like eight Super Bowls? In ten hurricanes. Like, who cares? <laughs> right. You just rebuild. Right. The um, city naturally smells like vomit. <laughs> have the Super Bowl there every year. Yes. Agree. Yeah. What's one you have? Um, well, I have. I think that it should rotate among four cities and only four cities. It should never leave these four cities. Let's leave it at that. Okay, that'll be our rules from here on out. Then. Yeah, it has to rotate right. these four cities. Okay. So number two, I'm gonna put Miami. Miami's not a great sports town in general. I've been very critical. Of Miami it was my least worst sports towns in the in the U.S. However, for a Super Bowl, I think Miami's perfect. It's nice weather. It's got some culture. It's got a lot of stuff to do. It can host a party. Miami's my number two. Miami's not in there for me because the stadium's out in the middle of nowhere and it stinks. I've been tricked to staying in South Beach for a Miami game. It was a 45-minute track and it stunk. Yep. Uh, I put Atlanta in there for me. That was the be my number five. Yeah. Well, uh, put Atlanta has five different downtowns. It's great. One of them can host Super Bowl. The new stadium is nice. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I've got Las Vegas. The uh, new stadium. That's cheating. That's going ahead. Thinking ahead. Well, the, the uh, you know, I had Los Angeles too, so I guess yeah, well, I have Los too. Angeles too. Vegas okay. and Los Angeles are my last two. Neither of them currently have a stadium built. Yeah, but those are the other two I have in the rotation. LA is the iffy one. I mean, yeah. it'll be a beautiful stadium. Sure. I, I don't like LA as a sports town, but you, the weather's really beautiful. It's a historic market. It's hosted a ton of Super Bowls. It almost has to be in LA. I put Indianapolis. Really, I know it's cold, but there's so many hotels down there. The stadium yeah. is universal. There's so much things to do. I think it has a decent traffic control for like from yeah. all the different cities, and the airport isn't horrible. Yeah, um, weather could suck. Yeah, but when are you inside and when are you outside anyway? Like, yeah. if you go to the Super Bowl, you're not going for the beach. I, I, maybe you are. I don't know. Are you? I don't know. I feel like it's an experience. Now, I've never been to a Super Bowl. Sure. But maybe some people are probably going in Saturday, right? Right. If you're going in Saturday, you're pretty much just going out to dinner. I'm telling you. Going to some bars. Maybe even earlier. Like, I was shocked by all the events that I saw in Atlanta this week. Oh, already Super Bowl stuff? Yeah. And it really starts ramping up today. Like, I think Wednesday is, like, Shaq has a big party with the Migos. There's a Foo Fighter concert on Thursday. Oh. There was like different. They set up these huge like structures for people to just have concerts. And well, all then time. ideally you get there like on Wednesday or Thursday. And you spend, yeah. Like, if you're spending like five days there, you yeah, can, you and gotta like have 10 a, grand. You like, gotta have thing. like a decent city. That's why. Let's go to the worst. Oh, do you Everglades. Have, you haven't finished your top four, have you? No, it's it. New Orleans, Atlanta, Indy, Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Worst. Go. Indianapolis. <laughs> okay. Good start. <laughs> what else do you have? Give me your four. Go. Okay. Give me your four. Indianapolis, Detroit, which is host to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, Houston. And Jacksonville are the four that I have with this worst. I want Detroit, Tampa. Tampa's going to make every list I ever do. <laughs> That's the worst city. Uh, Jacksonville, and I put New York City. Yeah. Out there at like JetBlue Stadium or whatever. Yeah. That's, again, not the name of the stadium. Yeah. The name of the stadium is not JetBlue. That was my idea that I've tricked myself into being a reality. That since the Jets and the Giants that wear blue play there, that they should have JetBlue sponsor the stadium. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. I've believed this into existence, <laughs> but it doesn't exist. It's like MetLife is the name of the stadium. 
Yes. So I'm. I am in February outdoors. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, with no way to get there. Like, there's no mass transit from New York City to get there. (laughs) Right. There's no mass transit from Newark to get there. New York belongs on the list. Thank you. Let's jump into our interview with Rachel. Rachel, as you know, is the managing director of SampleCon. She puts on every single year and she manages just the whole board and the whole thing and putting the whole agenda together. She's an awesome person. I'm so lucky that I've gotten to know in the last year. Um, so without any further ado, Rachel Altman. Hey, joining us now, it is Rachel Altmont of SampleCon. And Rachel, it is great to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me back. Oh, so excited. This is your third time on. I think it's one of our, you're the top two or three of all time guests. Oh, that makes me feel very honored. <laughs> yes, it's because SampleCon is one of our favorite conferences of the year. All right, Rachel. So I'm going to ask you, what's new? What's going on with SampleCon? Anything new? Anything you want to talk about with the conference that's coming soon? Yes. Yeah, so we're so excited about SampleCon 2019. Um the content this year is just incredible and really represents the conversations that are happening in the industry. And I think will spark a lot of new dialogue, new thoughts, and the tone for what people are going to drive forward into in the year that's coming. Awesome. And then I saw, it looks like you have some new topics, maybe like I saw some gamification. I saw maybe blockchain and some automation topics. Can you want to talk about any of those? Yeah, so what we really wanted to look at when we were selecting our speakers for this year was new voices, new topics, or topics that we've explored before but that have new angles to be um to be discussed. And so um we're really excited about the people that it that submitted and that were selected this year. Um re- they really represent the global voice across the market research space, um which is super exciting. And then as we look at our board, we've expanded and broadened our board this year to represent really all facets of the industry. So we have full service research, traditional sample providers, programmatic players, um, to really ensure that the voice of the industry is represented when it comes to SampleCon. Um, And one thing that I'm really excited about is our new board chair this year, Seema Vasa with Paradigm Sample. It's exciting to have... um, the transition going on that's happening now. So the last of our founding members, um, which were Lightspeed, Lucid, Protege, and Soapbox Sample, will roll off of our board this year. Um, and that was through design by the founding members that SampleCon's board of directors should truly represent the industry and should be ever evolving. And so SEMA has taken the reins this year and we've brought on more people. Um so Corey Jelseth with JD Power has joined, um, and Adam Jolly with EMI joined this year. And it's an exciting time for us because as we look moving forward, our goal is going to be to continue to have great people on our board who really are the custodians of SampleCon in that conversation and who are driven towards making sure that our industry is healthy and vibrant and um, transparent in in what we do moving forward so it's a really exciting time for us beyond just looking at the conference in austin yeah you you know i'm always super excited to attend and i love the fact that you have uh kind of a rolling board it just i feel like every year there's like a different a little bit different energy and it kind of grows and it may be because of that rolling board you have that new perspective um new people on it that kind of bring their own um bring their own two cents to the conference yes i think it's really true you know it's it it's interesting when you have eight board members 
Um, and we do have eight board members with very strong opinions, um, which is the way we want it to be. And they each bring their own their own ideas, their own passions, um, their own industry knowledge. And, and so it allows us to really remain dynamic um, and representative of the industry as a whole. Well, I'm uh, a huge Sima Vasa fan. I am sure she's going to do great in that role. And I am super excited about all the topics like gamification. Um, I think that the speaker you have for gamification is going to be fantastic. I love the blockchain. And um, I'm, I'm really, honestly, very excited about the topics. No, I, I think it's going to be great. I got a little preview of the gamification uh, presentation the other day. And it's, it's really interesting and thought-provoking. And I think there's some um, ideas and opportunities in there for, for those who are ready to make that, that jump um, with embracing and trying new things with respondents. Awesome. This is honestly my favorite conference because... We're all kind of on one team to help improve sampling in the industry. And we disagree on things and we talk about tough subjects. And it's one of my favorite things. Well, I'd love to hear that because I think, you know, from SampleCon's perspective, we really want people who come to the conference to walk away with having learned something new, having thought about something in a different way, even if it doesn't change your mindset of how you believe something should be done, at least being open to listening and hearing that. And to knowing that you can debate, you can disagree, and we can still work together as an industry to collaborate in driving forward, helping market, supporting market research and, and better results and in the end, and ultimately a better experience as well for those participating in the research. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, looking back on it, you were, I feel like SampleCon and you are, are kind of somewhat <laughs> personally responsible for the introduction of blockchain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank like, you. <laughs> I, I never heard of blockchain this time a year ago. And by June, it was the number one topic. And everybody in the industry is scrambling to learn more about it. So I'm super excited to hear that you have a couple different blockchain speakers attending. Yeah, you know, we, we really felt like the conversation was kind of there at SampleCon last year. And you're correct. By June, it was everywhere. Um, but we ended the year with people still somewhat confused um, a little bit unsure of the impact on their business or and or kind of how it might benefit their business. And so we wanted to bring forward kind of the, the three leading voices in that space to come and talk and help further educate and answer questions and, um, you know, really set the tone for how we can start to think about it and, you know, potentially embrace blockchain in a different way coming into 2019. Yeah, I think we all kind of scrambled and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is gonna, this is some crazy new technology that's gonna solve all our problems. And now we're starting to get a little more grounded in the <laughs> and starting to move a little bit forward in more of a practical way. So I'm, I'm excited in that. And then you mentioned um, state of sales and global conversation. So global conversation is there. Do we have some global participants uh, coming? Yeah. So every year, SampleCon has a portion of our attendees who are global. This year. Um, Andrew Cannon with GRBN is going to be joining us again, and he is really going to bring forth some research that he's he's done working with clients and key stakeholders and MR agencies on how to yield better experiences and results in data at the, at the global level. Um, and we believe that this is a conversation we need to be looking at in a new way. We talk about the respondent 
but we haven't necessarily as an industry come up with solutions that have really improved that experience. And so Andrew's doing a lot of research on how to start driving that. We have, um, we do have some end consumer brands coming to participate both on the stage and as registrants at the conference, which is always great because it just lends itself to a more in-depth conversation that we can be having. Yeah, so you mentioned a couple of things that I'm super passionate about. One of them is the respondent experience, which I know that most people that go to SampleCon, that's one of their passions is improving the respondent experience. So I love Andrew. He's one of my favorite people. I'm super excited to hear what he has to say. Um, and end clients or brands, um, their participation is so awesome to have. I know you had someone from Dell and a few other people that I spoke to last year. And without them, they really drive a lot of conversation because their voice is, is really what matters, right? Well, it is. And what I find is often eye-opening to that portion of our industry when they come to SampleCon is that they're not always thinking about the the reality that the sample companies are facing in meeting the demands and the expectations that they set forth. And so it really opens up that conversation channel of how we need to look at things differently, what we need to explore, and and the importance of working together to to find solutions. Absolutely. And by the way, I went to the website today as a, I did a little bit of show prep, um, more than usual. <laughs> and I am now winning. I saw it's a little gamified on the website, at least the agenda, and I'm winning the game. So a challenge out to the listeners, try to surpass me. Rachel Altmont's in second place in her own game. Um, the website looks great, by the way. I love the website. I love the format. There's so much on there. And I know you have an app coming out soon as well. Yes. Yeah, so one of the things we're, we're doing, and not just through our app, but also um, at the conference, is we do have a speaker coming who's going to look at gamification and helping us understand that as well and how we engage that. And so we thought tying that back to our new app would be really fun. And I will be coming off of that app. Um, as one of the participants shortly. But, um, you know, it's always fun to provide different ways for people to engage. And we've found software this year that allows people to really be able to network prior to the conference, um, to schedule meetings, to engage with people they might not personally know or have contact information for, and leverage and make the most of those three days that we'll be together in Austin, which is which is always, you know, the biggest benefit, I think, to so many people coming into SampleCon is the volume of conversation and business you're able to compete complete in that very short amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. The networking is, a, is obviously a huge part of it. For us, I mean, for our company, we work with, I don't know, 75% of the people that go there. So it's great to have an opportunity to, to network with them. And this is just another way using the app is to kind of connect with people and seeing who's going to be there and setting up meetings because... I don't know about you, Rachel. I'm getting there Saturday, but the conference starts until <laughs> Monday afternoon, but I'll be getting there. I think a lot of people are getting there early. I mean, what's yes. Austin in, in February, right? Yeah, so it's going to be great. And we're at the Fairmont um, this year in downtown Austin, which we're thrilled to be partnering with them this year. You know, as as we know, last year they, they had some construction delays, um, but it's a great location. It's a great hotel, and it provides a really – um, perfect environment for us to be doing what we do at our conference, which is having lots of fabulous content and sessions, as well as lots of space for people to be having the business conversations they need to be having. Um, so it'll be great. And, you know, when you look at who's attending this year, we always get 
a nice influx of new players in the industry. And it's one of my favorite parts about SampleCon is all how fast we're able to see how our industry is changing, how entrepreneurial we all are, and that SampleCon is able to provide a place for everyone, whether you've been in the industry for 20 or 30 years, or you've been in the industry for you know two to three months. It's a great location and event for you to capitalize on on growing your role in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll give you a plug. It's, I think if you work in sampling and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably <laughs> do work in sampling. I recommend everybody attend this. You will learn something. And we're all kind of friends and we're all partners and we're all competitors and somehow it just really works. So kudos to you and um, everyone at SampleCon. Oh, I so appreciate it. We're really excited to be doing our eighth conference in seven years and it's, it gets better every year. Um, so we're excited to have everybody, you know, to welcome everybody back to Austin and to really kick off the conversation that is going to drive forward our industry in 2019. Okay. Well, um, are you ready to have some fun? Are we done with the sample con? Let's have some fun. Yes. I love having fun. <laughs> All right. Um, we typically, we haven't done four P's in quite a while. We're going to have a few P's today. Um, we changed kind of the marketing mix P's and we're only going to do a couple, but, um, first one, let's do playlist. So what are the last few songs that you listen to Rachel? So I have no control over what's on my phone anymore. Music wise. Um, it's all controlled by, by my two daughters. And so the last three songs we've listened to are stick it to the man from school of rock. Uh, <laughs> 2002 by Anne Marie and a multitude of Dear Evan Hansen soundtrack songs. Interesting. Well, I have so many follow-ups on just on this. So you, you have two daughters <laughs> and son, right? Yes, I have three children. Um, my son's not as into music. Okay, he just lets his sisters play whatever he wants, whatever they want. Correct. They get to control the radio. Okay. Um, second one is School of Rock. Is that like a band or is that a, a what is School of Rock? So. School of Rock, there is a movie that starred Jack Black in it that is probably, I don't know, 10 plus years old, but they've had a show on Broadway um, that Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote um, that actually closed yesterday. So we took the kids to see it last week, right before they're closing in New York. Okay, awesome. I um, I was asking, I have a 17 year old and he's really, really into music and he is a member. Um, I assume this is goes beyond Cincinnati, but there's School of Rock here locally. It's a business where children can kind of go to and be part of a band, and you get lessons, and you perform with other people, and it's a lot of fun. And after a few months, you get to go out and perform um, kind of at a bar, but it's like for it's kid-friendly, um, and, and concert halls, and we just signed him up for that. He's been on doing it off and on for years, but um, I love um, the music aspect of it, and we're lucky. It's like a mile from my house, so I'm a big School of Rock fan. That's awesome. So I think that was actually created out of yeah. this movie, um, interestingly enough. And they just opened up one by us that we're looking at for my youngest because um, she's probably the most musically inclined of the group. But it's I think it's a great idea to expose kids to music, to different instruments, to performing and getting up in front of people and just having all of those confidence skills that then translate outside of being in a band or performing into just the workplace once they become adults. Oh, absolutely. Just so much more confidence and working with others and teamwork. I mean, there's so many lessons. Yes. Right? I totally agree. I'm, I'm glad when we agree, Rachel. Um. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know we haven't had anything to debate on today. I'm sure there'll be something at SampleCon. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's reserved for after a few drinks or right before the conference starts when we're both yes. grumpy. Well, and we've got you'll you will love this. Um, one of the new things we have at SampleCon this year is. Um, we have retired um, our poker tournament and are doing now an after party that is being co-hosted by Protégé and Soapbox Sample. And one of the activities we're going to be offering at the after party this year is um, armadillo racing. Okay. And it's going to be a new experience. That, um, we've had a great time learning all about armadillos and how you kind of do all of this. And as the gentleman who owns Armadillo said to me, it's a great resume builder because it will get you in the door. It may not get you the job, but saying that you're an Armadillo handler and race and racer gets you in the door. So um, it should be fun and a really memorable event, which we love. We love creating Sounds those moments. Is there wagering on these Armadillos? Can we bet on them? <laughs> We're still working on the gambling aspect of it because I know that that is something that everybody really well, enjoys. Also, you're combining the protege people and the soapbox sample people. I have a feeling this is a musty <laughs> event based upon the people that work. There. Yes. Well, that's exciting. They they love to throw a good party, and it's going to be a it's going to be a really great party on um, Tuesday the twelfth. Um, so we'll have everybody come to happy hour. Everybody can go to dinner, and then they can come back and and be fully entertained by two great hosts um, and lots of. Lots of good music and activities to participate awesome. in. Uh, let's move to our next P. This is Person. But today we're going to do top four musicals. You mentioned School of Rock. I'd love to hear <laughs> what your other favorite musicals are. Okay. So my absolute favorite musical is Rent. Um, I was being, I was talking to friends the other day, and I think I've seen it 12 times, um, starting with the original cast on Broadway. So that is like my all-time favorite. Um I love the music of Hamilton and we're going to get to see it in March, uh, which we're really, really, everybody's really excited about. Um, I thought Les Mis is just an old goodie, but oldie that just kind of withstands time. Um, and then I really did enjoy school of rock and seeing a show that was dominated by kids on the stage. It was really exciting to see That's that. A pretty good list. If I had to come up with a list, I would, I think there should be a musical of purple rain by Prince. First of all, that would be an amazing musical. <laughs> Obviously, a huge Prince fan. And The Wiz. How do you feel about The Wiz, Rachel? Oh, you know, I like The Wiz, but I love The okay. Wizard of Oz. So I have a hard time um, when I switch. But I loved – I've never seen The Wiz on stage. I've only seen the movie. And the talent in that movie was just spectacular. The music in that movie is amazing. Now, I – Yes. Now, the one musical I'm not sure about is there is a King Kong musical on Broadway right now, and I'm just not sold that that would be money money that I would want to spend. Did you say King Lear or King Kong? King King Kong. Oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> I'm not a big musical fan, by the way, but I have seen some. I saw a Book of Mormon. Um, I've seen Lion King. Those were awesome. I thought, um, but again, there's mm -hmm. a Purple Rain one. I, I am surprised, actually, that there isn't. Um, and maybe somebody's going to take your idea and create it. I know. Once again, I have a good idea. <laughs> we'll take it. Well, Rachel, um, Rachel, thank you so much. Um, if you're listening to this, please book your trip to SampleCon. It's February 11th through 13th um, in Austin, Texas. Get on a plane right now. Um, um, Rachel, tell us more how to get more information about SampleCon. 
So the best place to get information about SampleCon is through our website, which is www.samplecon.com. And from there, it will give you registration, sponsorship, agenda information, and lead you straight to our app um, so that you can get into the game and compete to beat Brian in our gamification for this year. Um, And also, people should always feel free to reach out and talk to any of our board members. Um, All eight of our board companies are very involved in the industry and very involved in ensuring that there's an open dialogue that's happening with around SampleCon. Um, And those companies are Paradigm Sample, Maru Blue, EMI Research Solutions, Ipsos, Lucid, JD Power, Protege, and Scent. And all of them can be found on our website and would love to have conversations with everybody about what's going on in the industry. They're obviously very passionate about this. So thank you so much, Brian. Thank you, Rachel. And I can't wait to give you the hug. And I can't wait to hear stories about how these eight people don't get along (laughs) behind the scenes. I can't wait to hear it. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you, Brian, for doing that interview. Oh, man. (laughs) So exciting. I loved it. Uh, that'll wrap up this week, episode four of season two of IntelliCast. Yeah, you can see us coming up at SampleCon, February 11th through 13th. It will be Brian Lamar, Amy Carley, Mary Draper, and myself there. Uh, you can also see us at Quirks East in New York City, March 5th through 6th. You'll see Andrew DeSillis and Sarah Getz there. Uh, and then the Qualtrics Conference coming up in Salt Lake City, March 5th through 8th. Adam Dietrich, our polling guy, host number three. Yeah. Uh, Kathleen, Kathleen Hawk. Oh, she's great. She is great. And me, not so great. Also, Oprah. <laughs> Anything you want to add before we leave? Uh, I don't think so. This was a good show. Who wins the Super Bowl? I'm really rooting for the Rams. What's your score? Um, 31-27. I'll go 38-24 Patriots. The only way that I would root for the Patriots to win is if Tom Brady retires after the game. And I think he'll, they'll win by a lot. He'll smile. He'll retire right then. Yeah. Yep. I would almost root for the Patriots if that happens. Yeah, if you know something good's going to happen from it. It's like the thing, right. like, hey, you can open this box, but somewhere somewhere's right. going to die. Right. That thing. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, that'll do it for episode four, <laughs> season two of Intellicast. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.